Silas Carey, fellow Red Newt Racing teammate of mine. Welcome to the Trails Collective interview series coming all the way to us from New Zealand. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So you actually are from from America and the upstate New York area originally. Um, you yep. ran for SUNY Cortland, is that correct? That's correct, yep. So did you do both cross country and track while you were at Cortland? I did, yep. So I grew up in Delhi, New York, and then yeah, went to school in Cortland and yep, did cross indoor and outdoor track um, all four years I was there. So did you, were you pretty speedy or did you like doing the cross country a lot more? Yeah, cross was definitely my my wheelhouse. Um, and even for that, I kind of struggled with the leg speed of, of an 8K cross race. Um, but yeah, of, of between track and cross, that was definitely my, my preferred season. And um, at SUNY Cortland, you studied physical therapy? So, <laughs> no. So I am a physical therapist now, but I've kind of taken the scenic route to getting there. Uh, so at Cortland, I started out as an exercise science major and then kind of changed my path a few times and ended up, I have a bachelor's degree in journalism. Okay. So, yep. Um, but I had always had an interest in physical therapy or something like it. Uh, and then once I graduated and started dating my now wife, uh, her brother and dad were both physical therapists. So that kind of re-inspired me so I ended up going back to school uh, back to grad school and got my degree in PT. It wasn't like a family initiation like in order to get in this family silence no. you <laughs> no, need to I be wasn't. a physical therapist. No it wasn't like a dowry thing or anything like that but it, <laughs> it definitely helped. <laughs> so what sparked your interest into physical therapy? Did you deal with injuries at Cortland? Yeah I, I had some some injuries while I was there. I missed two of my competitive seasons um, with Nothing major, just kind of little overuse things um, like IT band issues, some tendonitis, that kind of thing that were in retrospect, my own fault, you know, I was jumping into too much volume too soon uh, and things like that come up. But through that, yeah, I worked with trainers and physios and different people like that to kind of help get me through and that sparked my interest in it and, and definitely seemed like something I would want to do and want to make a career of. So, yeah. And also you can fix your own injuries, which is exactly. very nice. That's a bonus. Yeah, for sure. Is um, it really I'm common not... in um, college to, did a lot of your teammates suffer with injuries? Um, not a lot, but there were, there were definitely injuries. Um, I think looking back, like we had a pretty competitive program. So I think there wasn't anything overt, but you always felt like you wanted to be at the front of the group and you wanted to be kind of pushing. So I think we probably didn't take enough time for recovery and focus on the little things like that. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of inherent with that sort of thing, but there were, there were some injuries. Yeah. I find that yeah, I, with the runners that I talked to who ran in college, it's, it's kind of like some of them have like, oh, it's a great, like the greatest experience, you know, the team building and stuff. And then others yeah. like, they're just, yeah, I was up, had a bunch of injuries. And, you know, so what do you think, like, is it sort of the team competitiveness environment? Like if the athletes are more like insecure in themselves and need to prove themselves every workout or what, what goes on in that team dynamic? Yeah, I think, I think that's probably what leads to a lot of injuries. And 
and you don't ever want to kind of be the guy who says like this is too much this is too fast you kind of don't want to show show that you're the weak link um that said it's not again it was never like anyone bullying you into doing that it was just your own you're striving to be the best you can and keep up with the faster guys so it's just kind of I think it's part and parcel of being a competitive person in that environment. It's just going to happen. Um, for me, it, it was an amazing experience, probably not for the running as much, if that makes sense. Like it was the friends I've made and the connections I've made and have to this day and the kind of the growth you go through in that sort of environment. Um, so that was the great part for me, but I definitely didn't, I don't feel I ever ran to my potential in in college in that environment after college should you take a break sort of um so i moved to new york city shortly after graduating um and started i took a little bit of a break but then kind of wanted to keep racing so i got into road racing for a while i did a half marathons and even with that i kind of struggled with some injuries just felt like being on the road that much and kind of the speed workouts were just sort of beating me up. Um, so I, I dipped my toe into that, but it kind of wasn't for me. And I saw that relatively quickly. Okay. Um, and then in New York city, yeah. they have some trails, like there's a little bit of a trail system. So how did you, um, first get your introduction into trail running? So, I mean, I, I grew up sort of running trails, but not calling it trail running. You know, I grew up in Delhi in a really rural area way out in the country. So, I would run some trails there and in college we had trails around school we would run. Um, so I always enjoyed running on the trails, but again, hadn't ever really called it proper trail running. And I'd always had an interest in, in ultras. I thought, you know, that, that sounded like a pretty wild, cool thing to get into. So yeah, when I was in New York, one of my teammates from Cortland, um, Nico had kind of gotten into ultras, a little while before and he was going out to do a race in long island a 70k and he was like hey man you should you should jump in this so that'd be cool so i was like yeah all right so i just kind of went i'd never run a marathon i did a couple halves on the road skipped marathon and just did a 70k and it was predictably a, a crazy experience like breaking down crying as you run along and like having moments of elation and total despair and and you know what we all know but it was it was great and it it kind of hooked me from there so that was my intro into ultras and pro proper trail running um and there is there is a pretty good trail scene in new york city even if there aren't a lot of trails like central park actually has some little hidden hidden trails if you know how to look um and then it's easy enough to get to harriman or bear mountain or the Palisades Interstate Park, that kind of thing. Um, so it's definitely there. You just have to work for it a little more. I'm uh, looking forward to going to Bear Mountain over Thanksgiving, actually. I uh, yes. took a little Airbnb in New Jersey. And um, right. so uh, where should I go? Uh, I would always start from the, the lodge there, the main lodge. And I always ran sort of some variation of the North Face 50K or half course. Um, and that kind of takes you around a good selection of the trails. Um, I don't know. There's just so much to explore and it's pretty easy to explore. You can sort of just set out and do little loops and, and find your own way. You're never really going to be, be lost in the wilderness. 
there. So that's good because I have that problem. <laughs> Okay. And also I'm going to be hiking it. Um, that's actually going to be my down week from running. I asked my coach, oh, like, yeah. I want to go to Bear Mountain and do some hiking. So can we take just a down week? So I don't have to worry about right. training. And he's like, oh, sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, there's tons to explore. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so your first ultra was that 70K. What year was that? And how old were you? That would have been graduated in 2000. Has, might have been 2012 okay 2013 maybe and I then think. did you immediately just jump into doing like mostly training for ultras and stuff like that yeah. from then on yeah that was i kind of saw that i had found my niche and that was where to, what i wanted to do so that was basically what i devoted myself to from so when on. you say you found your niche, did you both enjoy it? And did you, I, sorry, I looked at your ultra sign up, but it was like a week ago. So, um, did you <laughs> have immediate success? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty small grassroots race, so it's not the most competitive race out there, but I finished second to my, to my buddy Nico. Um, so that was pretty cool. in my first race out to finish second, um, and my time was pretty good and, yeah, it just, I don't know, something clicked and it kind of, <clears throat> kind of felt like it fit and that was right. So yeah, I kind of stuck with it. And then you didn't run your first, um, hundred till 2016 at Vermont. So in yep. that time, were you, what were you focusing on? Did you know you wanted to get up to a hundred? That's also the only hundred you've done. So did yeah. you want to get to a hundred or did, were, were you just like, I want to get faster at 50 K the 50 miler? Like what, how, how were, uh, how was that in between time? Yeah, I kind of, I think I experimented with a bunch of different distances and it was always just kind of do as well as I could in whatever distance I was running. I didn't want to sort of pigeonhole myself into being a, I'm a 50 K guy and that's all I can do or a 50 mile, that sort of thing. So I tried to keep it pretty, pretty varied in that way. And I always, I wanted to do a hundred just for the experience. And that's sort of the, the Holy grail of ultra, I, I guess. Um, so I, I worked my way up to it, but, um, I didn't, I didn't set out to be like, I'm going to be a hundred mile runner. And like, that's going to be my focus. Um, and I haven't done one since. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, I'm not in any hurry to do one again. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty brutal. Um, um, was it just like, were you, did you not feel prepared or was it just, you know, um, a distance that you're, you just, after a while, I mean, I know that if, say if I were to go run out, run a hundred, even if I was probably trained for it, like I know after like four hours, I'm going to be like, okay, I could be done running now. And that's just a yeah. mindset thing for me. Like I just, I just know that'll happen. Like what happened in that hundred? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, it was pretty wild. So it was the Vermont 100. Um, so you start at 4am and I finished just over 18 hours. So I finished just after 10 PM the next night. So it was like running through a night through a whole day and into another night was just weird. And I went through every emotion there is and probably some new ones too. Um, and yeah, part of that, it was that mental game of kind of, all right, I've been running for eight hours. Like there's still a long way to go. Um, it, it was also the time commitment to train for it. That was, that was pretty hard. Um, it was hard on my schedule then and it'd be even harder now. So that's, that's kind of a limiting factor. Um, 
and the recovery period from it too. Like I was basically, that was me done for the summer after that, just which, which that's what it is, but I kind of like to race a bit more. So yeah, I, I might get back to it at some point, but I'm not in no rush. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, um, when I think about doing really long races, I'm also like, Oh, I'll be so thankful for like the week after recovery or the month after recovery. But yeah. I mean, I just love running so much that like sometimes yeah. I hate long races that take me out for anything longer than like a week just because I'm pissed and I want to get running again. <laughs> but I know that like, I, I also know that I'm in pain or like yeah. it hurts and that just like pisses me off. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> run that race because that recovery is way too long. <laughs> yeah. And with that, I, I kind of didn't like that. I, I didn't want to run. Like it took me a couple months to even want to go out running. Like I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Um, so I kind of didn't like that either, you know, cause I do, I enjoy it. And it's kind of, it's a part of my, my day that's really important mentally as much as physically just to kind of decompress and, and blow off a little steam. So yeah, the fact that it kind of made me not want to run for a while, put me off a little too. Um, yeah. I think my teammates and I have had like a, um, the road teammates, not the trail teammates, have had like the talk that I honestly would rather run 60 to 90 minutes every day than like eight hours on the weekend, no matter yeah. how like epic or cool it sounds. Like I just <laughs> like running every day. Yeah. And, right. you know, for me, it probably, it sounds like for you, it just makes everything else just a little better. Like yeah. it makes like, I don't know, like, uh, you're sleeping better. It makes like right. you just a more energetic person. It makes like food right. taste better. It's just, it's, exactly. it's something that like maybe the chemicals in my body, but <laughs> when I can't run, I'm just like, Oh, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and the physical recovery after it was, was pretty intense too. Like I remember the day after we actually drove back to New York city the day after, cause I, we had to get back. And I remember getting out of the car at a gas station and like on one leg, my quads were completely blown and on the other leg my hamstring was blown so like I couldn't like I didn't even have an even even walk and I like hobbled into the gas station and so yeah it was it was just intense all around and um took a lot out of me for a while so yeah I think I just sick with shorter stuff for now yeah, I remember after my last 50 mile, which was last November, and I was not very tra- well trained for it. I did JFK. And I remember like getting up the next morning and then like getting into my car. Finally, I made it into my car. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm starving. So like, of course, the first like Sheets gas station, I'm like, yes, yeah, Sheets. And I just like, like, I try to get out of my car and it's like pouring rain and I'm like stumbling out because like I'm trying to get to Philly because I want to watch my friends finish the Philly marathon and I just go in like barely they're like all looking at me because it's like six in the morning and I'm like I just want biscuits just cheddar and cheese egg and cheese biscuits and oh god so funny though yeah yeah the things we put ourselves through oh yeah it's great the stories are and the people are so memorable yeah. Um, so you're in New Zealand right now. Why did you move there? Um, you didn't so we've just been decide. here. He didn't just move there because of the pandemic, which he's smart. He's no. been there for a couple years. I have. Yeah. So we've been here three years now, a little over three years. Um, so my wife and I, so we both grew up in upstate New York. Um, and we lived in New York city for, she was there nine years. I was there almost eight years. 
Um, and it was an amazing experience and you know, we wouldn't trade it and New York holds a very special place in our hearts, but we were also just kind of burnt out on city life and, and stress and all that. Um, we wanted to move, we wanted an adventure. we had always wanted to travel to New Zealand. Um, then we, we wanted to move abroad somewhere. So we were like, well, why not? We'll just move there. Um, and, and full credit should go to Allie, to my wife. Like she, she's really the reason we did it. Like I, I probably would have always said, oh, that'd be cool. But she kind of gave me the push and the confidence to actually do it. Um, so yeah, so we kind of just decided we'd, we'd dive in and go for it. We had never been here. We didn't know anyone. We didn't, basically we knew they spoke English here and it looked pretty like in Lord of the Rings and like, yeah. that, that's, that's good enough. So she a PT as well. No. So she, um, she's a yoga teacher. Okay. Um, yep. So she was teaching yoga here. We just had a baby. We had a daughter 13 months ago. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. So she's, she's doing the full-time mom thing, which is the hardest job out there. So. That's it her is. gig at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, both of you, yoga and PT are very in-demand skills, you know? Yeah, like, for sure. Sometimes I'm like, I need to go back to school to be like an optometrist because everybody's <laughs> eyes are awful or like yeah. an, an, or orthodontist or something, you know, just like yeah. it's always in demand. And that's pretty cool yeah. because, um, yeah. you know, your wife can start and stop and do whatever. And then you just like, everybody's broken. So, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, that helps. I think it's been good so far. Sorry? It's been good so far. Yeah, it has. It's been great. Yep. Um, so being a PT helped a lot in getting a visa. Um, so there's this, there's an essential skills list that are, there's a shortage of these skilled people in the country to do them. So basically all, all medical professions are on there. Um, so that helped a lot. And then I was able to get a job offer before we came over and we were able to get a work visa through that um we've since gotten residency great um, yeah so um i know everybody's gonna be curious because i've been curious about every once a week i've like tried to be like how to move to new zealand because you know <laughs> you guys are doing really well so yeah. i want to ask like when the pandemic happened what did you guys do and then now i'm a, like are things mostly back to normal because you kind of like nailed it yeah oh we've been super lucky and we're I mean, we were really grateful to be here before all of this. Um, and like we, we moved here shortly after Trump was inaugurated. So everyone's like, oh, you're running away. And we're like, no, we planned it, but the timing worked Convenient. out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so when the whole pandemic thing started, first it was just kind of like, yeah, that's happening over there. And we weren't really phased by it. Then when we started getting a few cases here first we went into uh so our they call it we have four levels of lockdown here so we initially went into a level four lockdown for three weeks i think um that was back back in march i think so that was like everything shuts down like stay at home grocery stores are open basically that's it. Like everything stops. Everyone's stay at home. Don't go out. Don't interact with anyone. Um, so which honestly for, for me, it was, it was kind of great because Alex, our daughter was 
Oh, she would have been like six months old at the time. Um, so it was great. I got to stay home all day with her and see her growing and changing. And we live right on the beach. So we have a beach right across from us. So we can go out and walk on the beach every day. And so it was, it was kind of just a vacation. And then we had another couple of weeks of level three, which there was a bit more open, like essential services were back open. I still couldn't go to work in person. And then we moved to level two, which is basically normal. Like there are some social distancing things in public and some things you have to follow. And then we had that little spike a couple of weeks ago. We, we went back to level two, Auckland went to level three, but right now we're in level one. So basically everything's normal. Just the borders are. Do you guys still are... wear masks? No, oh, wow. no, we don't have to. So basically everything within the country is normal. They're just, they're really tight border controls. Like you can't come in unless you're a resident and you have to quarantine that kind of thing. Yeah. So, no, I'm it's... so happy for you guys. Like, honestly, <laughs> I don't like, I'm really glad that some people are able to like enjoy life right now. And yeah. you know, it's, uh, it gives me like, I mean, like I'm very frustrated, but also yeah. like, because I'm an essential worker technically. So I've been yeah. like working, like we were very shut down obviously, but like I work in food service. So, um, right. largely like, I've had a job and just like, I've been like wearing a mask and like social distancing and doing all this stuff for like 10 months. And I, it still just boggles yeah. my mind that like some people still don't understand it or like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how to explain this to you. Like, uh, yeah. and I mean, to be fair, like we're still going to be doing this like in two years. So I yeah. mean, so it's, uh, but I'm very happy that like, people in other countries are able to resume things and it's like it gives me hope maybe if someday america gets our shit together <laughs> i don't know but <laughs> yeah. i mean it's it's been really strange though being here where everything's normal but then seeing things like from back home or like talking to our parents or friends where you're like oh yeah like that's still happening so it's it's really bizarre the kind of the the difference in in what's happening day to day because um, it's it's really easy here to feel kind of insulated and removed from everything and just like it's not happening so yeah yeah it's almost like when we're sitting here in our comfy homes and then we realize that like people in Africa are still living in huts exactly <laughs> like yeah. really but yeah it happens and it's I mean yeah it's yeah. an interesting we've had an interesting 2020 it's about to get even more interesting so yeah, I stay tuned, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, your most recent race report back to running. Um, your most yep. recent race report is from the Kepler Challenge, which was in New mm. Zealand. Um, yep. and it was it's a really great read. I, I really enjoyed reading. I read like all your yes. posts on the right. racing page, so everybody should check those yeah. out. But um, at the end, you mentioned that you still had areas of weakness that you wanted to work on mm. after. Yep that race that were evident yeah. to you. And so what were those areas that you um, wanted to work on and how have you addressed them? Yeah, that race report was from two years ago, I think. So mm -hmm. I've done a bunch more races since then. I just haven't had the time or yeah. made the time to write reports. Um, and I've done, I've since done the Kepler again last year. Um, but yeah, yeah, some New of the- New Zealand racing is a lot different, right? It's a lot different than America. So why don't you explain the yeah. differences first and then we can talk about your race. Sure. 
So, I mean, first of all, our seasons are reversed, so it's the opposite time of year. So like right now we're coming into spring. Um, so we race our spring and summer. So that's obviously a difference. Um, also races here tend to be a little more remote, um, and a lot of point to point. Um, so you have to, you generally have to carry a lot more gear. There's mandatory gear for every race. Um, and you have to be a little more self-sufficient. Um, and you don't really get crew support out on the course. There are aid stations set up by the race, but like, like Allie can't drive out and meet me basically any races. So that, that's been a difference. Um, and yeah, a lot of the races are in pretty rugged mountainous areas. So it's, it's a little more true mountain running, I guess, as, as compared to the Northeast. Um, do you like so yeah, that, that or would you prefer to be able to run? Cause you have some legs, like you can get, you can, you're pretty speedy. So like, do you prefer yeah. running or, um, would you sometimes just like, Oh, I just wish this terrain would just let up so I could just like let it rip. Yeah, I think I like a mix. Um, and a lot of courses here are a mix, you know, it's not like Euro sky running stuff where it's, you're running up a cliff. Um, you know, you'll have some runnable sections and then you'll go over sort of a mountain pass and then some more runnable. So I, I really like the style of racing here. I think it works well for me. Um, cause you can use some of that hill strength, but then you can turn over your legs and, and use some of your speed as well. So that, that I think suits me. Mm -hmm. Um, that said, I think some of the weaknesses I was alluding to in that one, it's being able to use that leg speed after going over a mountain pass. That's hard. And that that's hard for anyone. Um, but that's something I really found. So in the Kepler, that's a 60 K. So you run basically out over a mountain range and back down. And then you have kind of a flatter, faster last third of the race along a river to the finish. So it's kind of surviving that mountain pass and still being able to turn it over and, and kind of hunt some people down. And that's where that year, especially I felt really felt that that let me down, that I was just kind of fried by the time I got, got to that last flat section and, and couldn't use the speed I had. Um, and I don't know if I fully addressed it yet, but I think I'm working on it and trying to do some more workouts, like sort of a hill workout into a tempo run, that sort of thing. Just working on running fast on tired legs. Um, yeah, that's kind of a, a key workout I'll do. Um, yeah, still working on it. Always things to work on. And there always are. Um, <laughs> so uh, you are a PT by training. So, yep. and a couple of the other posts that you talked that on the Reddit Racing page were about strengthening like your feet and lower limbs, which mm. I loved because I my feet are an ongoing battle. Um, right. And so how has being a PT informed your training? Are you more of like a... Sorry. Are you, oh God. Sorry. I just got a phone call. Okay. Um, are you more of a, like, do as I say, not as I do kind of runner or PT, or do you actually like every night you do your strength training, you do all the stuff. Like how, how's your approach? Probably somewhere in the middle. I think I'm, I definitely skimp on the strength training and the stretching sometimes, but I, I think I do pretty well at the same time. Um, I think becoming a PT has probably made me a smarter runner. Um, like I was saying back in college, I would just kind of run myself into the ground 
and hope it would work. Whereas now I'm a lot more conscious of taking recovery time, sort of only getting the training stimulus I need and then not going past that. Um, and that's always a fine line, but I do think I'm, I've gotten a lot smarter and as a result, I'm a lot more sort of resilient and healthy as a runner. So um, let's talk like an act, something like give an example. So hmm. what a, a day in your training life, like most runners, we want to spend our time running, right? So they, uh, would people would rather like run an extra half an hour than take time to do their core work, do their Myrtle, do mobility, do strength. Um, yeah. So what's something that you put into practice that also maybe other runners who are listening to this can also like, oh, I can weave that into my day. I see where this time fits in now. Yep. Yeah. So I, I definitely am a quantity, sorry, a quality over quantity runner. So I'm not, I generally don't have like weekly mileage goals that I'm trying to hit. You know, I'll, I'll have sort of a loose plan um, that over the course of the next month, I need to build up my volume. So I'm conscious of kind of doing that as I go, but I don't have like, okay, this week I'm hitting 70 miles no matter what. Cause I think that's where a lot of people fall into a trap of, just going out and logging another five miles, even when their legs are shot and they don't feel like it. And just, it sort of doesn't make any sense. Um, so that's definitely one approach I use sort of, like I said, I, I do my hard workouts, my hard runs hard. And then in between is recovery. And if that's a bike ride or that's a short run or it's a day off, you know, that that's fine. I think it's, I think we get in the mindset where you you get afraid to take a day off because you've put in all this work and you don't want to, you don't want to slack off and you don't want to take a day off because that's, that's a day you're not improving, but you just, you need to remember that you, you improve in your recovery periods. You know, it's, it's the recovery from that hard training stimulus. That's where you improve. So that's where your body gets stronger and you get better. So keeping that in mind, I think is super important. So for me, I generally try to run five days a week. Um, and like I said, that's, that's a long run. That's a, a hard workout and some recovery runs. And I try to do, while I haven't been that great about it lately, I try to do take two days a week in the gym. Um, usually one on one of those easier days and one on an off day. And that's just doing, I have a kind of a circuit I've worked out, um, doing some, some, nothing super heavy, but doing some squats, some, some deadlifts, some kind of core stabilization stuff just to keep everything, keep everything activated and keep everything happy and healthy and sort of integrated. Um, and then anything daily, uh, I stretch, try to stretch daily. And that's, that's, it's not some marathon stretching session. Uh, usually it's 10, 15 minutes at night, like while we're hanging out, reading or watching TV. Um, I think that's something people can really easily do because if we're honest with ourselves, like even the busiest person, you have 10 minutes in the day to just do a little self care and, and a little stretch, a little foam roll. Um, and I, I like it before bed kind of helps me sleep, helps me feel good. Um, mm -hmm. So that, yeah. that's like a, that's a super easy one. People can start right away. Like tonight, take 10 minutes before you go to bed, do a little stretch, get yourself feeling good. Sleep yeah. Better. I mean, yeah. it 
I think it's like finding little pockets of time. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't need to, like you can take a day or can take a little while to do a like routine if that works for you. But also yeah. like, I mean, when I get home from my run in the morning, I turn on my tea water. And by the time, like it takes like five to seven minutes for that. And by that time I've done Myrtle, the mobility, stretching, yeah. stuff like that. A couple push exactly. push-ups, a couple crunches. And there you go. Yeah. Like you're cooling right. down from your run. Done. You're taking a little bit of care and yeah. it's pretty simple. Um, it's yeah. just like, I think for a lot of people, they probably would do it if they also like remembered, you know, right. I don't think it's necessarily like, I'm too tired. I don't feel like doing it. It's more like right. I forgot and I'm in bed already. Oh, well, try to get right. to Yeah. Yeah. I think with that, it's just building it into your routine. You know, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, you do your stretches, same thing. So one of the, um, posts that you wrote on, um, the Red Knight Racing was about, um, like foot strength basically mm. in preventing foot injuries. Yep. So yep. I want to talk about Halix valgus because yep. I have that like hardcore and mine is uh-huh. genetic actually. My sister yep. and mom have had foot surgery. So okay. personally, I just wanted to talk about this. Um, <laughs> so do you think that if, and it said like some of the foot like imbalances and injuries is because of like calf tightness. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, but the thing is, is so I foam roll every day too, and I don't yeah. feel like my calves are tight and I still okay. have this problem. Do you think yeah. that like, if I maybe did some more of the calf stretches that it might go, cause I also don't have any pain. It's just my feet are yeah. crushed. Um, sure. so it's one of those where it's like, this could be genetic, but also if he has some advice for me, I might as well ask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that can develop it can either be genetic or it can be kind of a, a thing you develop over time, you know, separate of a genetic and genetic component. Um, yeah. It sounds like if you're being diligent with your calf stretches and that kind of thing, it's probably, that's probably not a cause for you. You know, if it runs in your family, it was probably going to happen no matter what. Um, but definitely I feel like the foot is kind of a neglected area. Um, you know, people think of your calves as being really important for running and they obviously are that you have all those little intrinsic muscles in your foot that are super important too. And it's important to, to take care of those and you have joints in your foot, and everything else. So, um, so yeah, putting some time into your feet themselves could probably help. Um, another really simple one, easy to do, easy to incorporate is just taking a ball, like a lacrosse ball works really well and just put it on the ground and roll your foot around on it, roll your arch out. Um, that can help loosen up everything, mobilize the joints in your midfoot. Um, so that's an easy one. That's really good for your feet. That's something you could, could work in. Um, for you probably, have you ever seen a podiatrist or anyone? No, uh, I think, well, I've had like my sports PT friends and athletic trainers look at it. Um, the only time it got the squishing of my feet, the only time it gets bad is um, usually during like the warmer months when there's a lot of friction. If I'm running yeah. like prob- over like at some points in the year, if I'm training and I am hitting like over 80 miles a week, that doesn't happen yeah. often. But when it does, there's a lot of like, and especially when it's hot, I'm pounding a lot on my feet and it's in between yeah. the toes where I'll get like calluses yeah. and stuff. And it's only gotten really bad once when I got like an infected blister callus in there. And I was yeah. like, I just want to cut this off. It's so terrible. <laughs> 
Um, but now, usually like now, um, when I'm at home and stuff, I wear correct toes, which helps space okay. them because my toe, yeah. my feet are just like that. Yeah, I was gonna I mention toe spacers. Of it, yeah, if I stay on top yeah. of it, it's not that bad, but you know, if there's any, and also, but if they're like stretching out the calves, foam rolling, I do that kind of thing. So I have a feeling for me, it's just something I'm just gonna have to deal with. But I figured yeah. other runners, calf tightness, foot pain, I get asked that yeah. a lot. So yeah. I figured, you know, give, give the people what they want. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, working with a, a good podiatrist can help too, because you can get some custom orthotics that can just help support your foot and kind of realign things. Um, but it sounds like you're doing all right. You're doing everything you're supposed to be. So good job. So when you mentioned orthotics, that kind of reminds me, how do you feel about the barefoot running, like minimal shoe? How do you feel about that kind of stuff? I think it has its time and place. I think the whole form to run movement of a couple of years ago probably got a little carried away and probably led to a lot more stress fractures than it did anything else. Um, I think it's, I totally agree with the argument that, you know, our foot is a very dynamic thing that's not necessarily meant to be jammed into a shoe. You know, they're supposed to be feeling the ground and interacting with it. And that's, true and that's all well and good but the, the world wasn't meant to be paved in asphalt either so i think there's i think there's a middle ground there you know maybe a super chunky you know stability shoe isn't the answer but i don't think if you're going to be running any serious volume that barefoot or vibrant five fingers are are the answer either so i think you'd take it with a grain of salt and I think it can be good in moderation. You know, I do some, um, I do some barefoot running on the beach or on some grass fields, um, a couple miles a week, just to kind of strengthen up your feet and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I think it's you can build it in, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend going out and running eighty miles a week in house slippers or something. Yeah, I think people like to latch on to the sexy stories of like the N of one, yeah. the like one man that can do that. Right. Um, and then also yeah. you don't people don't realize that he's probably also running like 12 minute miles so it's a little bit exactly than like you going out yeah. and running uh yeah like people don't understand like run easy doesn't mean like nine minute miles it means like right. 12 minute miles like yeah almost walking yeah 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 no yeah. um i i always say like why don't you start out walking in those first and see how yeah, it goes exactly yeah yeah so i'm glad that fad is kind of yeah swinging the other way well now i mean the london marathon is starting in like i think like six seven hours uh, so you're yep. actually going to be up to watch it i will not be yeah. i will be checking in yeah. the morning but anyway they're <laughs> i mean they're going to be running in like the chunky shoes like those nike yep. shoes so you know the yeah. fastest man in the world isn't running barefoot right. is he and he's from no. Canada. yeah exactly right he probably grew up running barefoot a lot more than we did certainly and then he's like shoes now yeah. i can be faster <laughs> sweet yeah yeah, I think the shoe is a great invention and we shouldn't we shouldn't throw it away so lightly. No. So um you mentioned that you are coming into racing season. So yeah. uh do you have anything on the schedule for this this upcoming uh upcoming season? Yeah, so I actually next weekend is my first race of the season. Ooh. Um yeah. So I'm doing the thirty six K in Abel Tasman National Park. Oh, um, all right. Some yeah, so it's Yep. So, um, yeah, it's really beautiful. It's not anything too hilly or mountainous. It's a, it's a, a great walk. We have them here. Um, so there are these 
sort of very scenic walks within within the national parks. Um, so it follows the coastline of super blue water. So it'll be nice. Um, and it's on the shorter end of the spectrum for me. So it'll be kind of a nice little rust buster and get things going. And then I've got basically one race a month through February. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So um, you still technically are on the Red Newt Racing Team. You're like our foreign correspondent. And yeah. um, so what's the race, what's the running community like in New Zealand? It's really good. It's it's pretty small. Um, some something we kind of realized when we moved here that the whole country is pretty small. You know, there's only I think five million people in the whole country. So I mean, compare that. New York City has what thirteen million in the five boroughs alone. So it's it's not a huge place, um, and it's kind of like three degrees of separation wherever you go to like someone you know. Um, so you gotta be careful what you say too, but, um, but with that, I mean, the trail running community is, is pretty small and tight knit as well. And I think it is everywhere, you know, in the Northeast, it's, it's a pretty close community. So it's really similar, but like trail running anywhere I found it's super supportive and really in inclusive and everyone just wants to have a good time and, and you can be competitive and there's that aspect at the front of the race, but otherwise people are just out there to have an experience and. So yeah, I found it really great and I've made some good friends um, through running here. So yeah, it's really good. That's cool. Is there sort of that like, in America, at least, and I, I feel like in my communities and the circles that I know, there are there is a lot of like, oh, I'm an ambassador for this or like I'm sponsored by this or like just that kind of thing. Is there that in New Zealand as well? The same competitive kind of thing or is that uniquely American? It's not uniquely American, I don't think. Um, I think it's probably a little more so in America. Like, it definitely happens here. There's some, I think there's some peacocking, that sort of thing, anywhere you go. Um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty relaxed here. I think Kiwis in general are just pretty chill, and they're not really generally materially focused, we found. And that's something we've really liked. Um, uh, so, like, I'm, I'm running for Scott shoes here which is really cool, but yeah, I don't think anybody is like, wow, he runs for Scott, like or anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely to a lesser degree here. That's pretty cool. It sounds like a really yeah. cool place. I mean, uh, I've listened, I've, and the accents are awesome too. So, you know, it's a, <laughs> you're selling it for, I mean, you had me at like post pandemic, but now right. I'm old. I mean, um, so this has been a really, really awesome episode. I don't want to take too much of your time because you got a London that's Marathon to watch. So um, I want to play a game at the end that's called Ideal Aid Station. Are you ready to play? Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, so you're coming up. Yes, this is uh, mile 70 of your Vermont 100. And you are just feeling all the new emotions that not anyone has ever experienced before. And yeah. so you're coming to this aid station and you just need like the elixir of life. So, yeah. or, uh, so what, um, is, what sweet snack would you like there? Um, sweet snack. I'm a, I'm a fiend for Coca-Cola, uh, in races. That's probably the only reason I've ever finished a race is, is Coke. Um, that I definitely lean on that pretty hard. So that would be a, a definite must. That well, said, that's I do actually. Our non-sports drink question. This is going to be like a sweet. Oh, oh, whoa. 
probably something like uh, gummy bears, that sort of thing. Something kind of kind of you can chew on a little, but has has a lot of sugar. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Are, is this a multi-part question? Yes, it's going to be a couple questions here. So the okay. next one is favorite right. salty snack. So this actually, I almost told this story earlier, but from the Vermont 100, I actually have a, a story. So yeah. I think it was around mile 80, and I was really struggling. Like I was in bad shape. And I hadn't been able to eat for a while. Like I'd only been having gels for a couple of hours and I was feeling pretty rough. And our friend uh, Andy from New York was, was there pacing me and he was just trying to kind of keep me going. So I come dragging into this aid station and the guy working it looks at me, he goes, you need some soup. And I was like, all right, man, <laughs> whatever you say. So he gave me this cup of, it was just like instant ramen chicken soup or something. But it was, it was amazing. It was like, it was life in a cup. Like, and I just, I just, and Andy said that for the next couple of hours, all I talked about was soup. Oh, and he was like, yes, yes. I, I know you like the soup. We'll get you more soup. I, I get it. So, so chicken soup is a. You know, I have a funny story again from JFK, not the same race. I did it in 2017. It had a horrible race. It was freezing rain. I was injured, but whatever. But yeah, at like, they had like soup. It was like, yeah, the chicken ramen, like whatever. Yeah. I put it in my bottle and I was like, yes. I'm, it's going to be okay. I have this soup and then I have like <laughs> cookies and then the soup. Yep. You're just like. You're all good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this might be uh, good for the next question too, though, because favorite hot food. This is still at the aid station. Yeah, we're still at the aid station. We haven't left. Uh, okay. Uh, hot food. I don't know. I don't really eat a lot of hot food when I'm when I'm racing. Even in like when it's cold. Yeah, not really. I mean, soup. Soup is the only thing I can think of that's hot. I mean, I, I love soup so much. That can be both answers. That's fine. Yeah, we'll go with soup. Well, actually, one more story. So there's an ultra-based... So Westport is the town we live in here in New Zealand. And there's uh, the Old Ghost Ultra is a, a race, kind of our hometown race. So it's on the Old Ghost Road, which is an 85K trail from just outside Westport, kind of across the mountain range to the other side. Uh, and a, uh, Phil Rossiter has become a good friend of mine and his friend Jim were the ones who basically built the track. It was an old gold mining route that they sort of linked up and got the funding for and they've made it a really amazing track. So there's a race on it every year. Uh, and it's become, <clears throat> become my favorite race. The first year I did it, you get to the high point of the course, uh, Ghost Lake it's called. So you go up, you're already, I think 30 miles in and you've gone up the biggest climb of the course, which is, I might get this wrong, but it's it's a lot. It's several thousand feet of climbing. Um, so you get there and, and you're pretty, pretty wrecked. So here in, in New Zealand on the West Coast, they have this delicacy called white bait. So white bait is basically tiny fish, little like tiny translucent fish that they, they get in the river in a certain season. And then they put these tiny fish whole into an egg omelet, basically, okay. like a fritter. Oh. It's, it's a little strange, but it's, it's very, very highly sought after here. I 
mind that. It's it, yeah, it's not bad, um, but it's it's got a slightly fishy taste to it. Um, mm -hmm. But I get to Ghost Lake and I was just wrecked, like my stomach was no good. And someone comes out from the corner and says, "Oh, would you like a white bait fritter?" And like held them in my face, and I was like, "Like no, no, <laughs> get it out of here." So I don't know if hot food, but I'm not having white bait fritters. We'll say that. Yeah, much. during an ultra, I can't like think that would be a no. good thing. But that sounds great. No. Like brunch. Right, yeah, some other time, sure, but yeah. not not then. <laughs> All right. So, favorite sports drink. Ah, uh, sports drink. Probably Tailwind. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that too. The yeah. tropical. Yeah. Tropical yeah. yeah. And they, they have that at a lot of aid stations here. So I end up having that quite a lot. So we'll go with and that. And then, so favorite non sports drink would then be Coca Cola. Yeah. Coca Cola. Do you like sure. it flat or bubbly? Flat. Has yeah. to be flat. So much better. Yeah. All right. Um, favorite piece of gear, like a piece of gear coming into that aid station, you need something. Mm. Uh, definitely, especially here, a good pack. Because um, like I said, you have to carry mandatory gear. So that's usually one, if not two, uh, long sleeve thermal tops, thermal leggings, waterproof jacket, waterproof pants, hat, gloves, emergency blanket, first aid kit, headlamp. So it's it's substantial enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a good pack that doesn't rub or chafe is definitely a must. So I run with the the Scott. It's the TR10, um, the RC pack, and that's been that's been great. So that's definitely that's a must for me. Cool. That's some good information. Yeah. All right. Last question. You can't say Allie. Um, if you were to run to this aid station and you needed like a celebrity or someone, it doesn't have to be a runner, it can be anybody, assuming they could hold a uh, pace with you or just like to pep you up and get you going, who's that person? Uh, do they have to be alive? No. Hmm. How about uh, like, how about Jimi Hendrix? Oh, yeah. Can, can he have his guitar? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, definitely. You into the night. Yeah, he, like, definitely. Floats, he like floats behind you on a magic carpet. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, just yeah. playing the guitar with his teeth. Oh, yeah. that's a great answer. Well, <laughs> Silas, this has been an awesome interview. I knew it was going to be. Uh, can you just tell people where they can find you on like social media, if you have a website, or just to run new? Yep. Um, probably easiest one is my Instagram. Uh, it's just Silas underscore carry. Um, and I don't post there as probably as often as I should, but I try to drop little updates and little snapshots from runs I do and adventures and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's probably the best one. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, but yeah, Instagram's probably the best. My physio practices page is called Coast Physio. Um, so nobody wants to check that out too. If you're and, ever in Westport, uh, do you physio. have any rooms in your house that are Airbnb? Because I think a lot of people are going to be like, let's go to New Zealand. Yeah. I've already gotten some messages from people be like, so what's up in New Zealand? Um, <laughs> we don't, we don't, that's right. We don't at this stage, but we're thinking about uh, buying some land uh, or a house. So hopefully in the future, we'll have a little tree house or something we can Airbnb at. Well, sign me up for the first weekend. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, Silas, and have a great rest of your day. It was wonderful to talk to you.
Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Happy trails, everybody.